Listen to the word of God, Psalm 128, a song of ascents. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem, and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let me pray as we come to God in his word. Father in heaven, I I ask that you would challenge us today by the power of your word, that you would show us what it looks like to fear you and to walk in your ways. Lord, I ask that you would encourage us in the hope of your word, that we would find the the power of the gospel to to transform our hearts. Lord, for those who, who listen with us this morning, who maybe even have been here for years and yet have have not yet committed themselves to following after you, have not yet received the grace that you give, I pray that today would be a day of of gospel hope, of resurrection power. And so, Lord, we come asking that you would give us the faith to believe, that you would transform hearts even as we listen to your word, that your spirit would be active. Lord, we come praying in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last year, a young woman placed an online ad looking to rent a family for her birthday. Natalie Carson prepared herself for her 20th birthday. Her ad read, Hi, I'm currently a young female college student looking to rent a family I can spend time with on my birthday in a few weeks. I aged out of foster care, and since I was never adopted, I don't have a family to spend holidays or my birthday with. I was placed in foster care after being severely abused by my parents, so... Spending time with my biological parents is not an option. I'm not a weirdo or anything. I just want one day. I just want one day that I can feel important and special and feel like I matter. I've never had a good birthday. So I figured, why not this one? Thanks in advance. Natalie's story actually caught the attention of the local news where she lived. She was interviewed on TV and she received replies from all over the world. She found a family to spend that birthday with. And so she actually asked, she got so much response, she asked people, if you were moved by this, just this small act of a, of a college student, a kid who had been homeless but was living in a shelter, preparing for the rest of life, a shelter designed to help kids who had aged out of foster care. If you were touched by this kind of story, then go find somebody to help. Support one of the local organizations in your town, in your neighborhood, that care for kids. Because Natalie's story captures the the longing we have for, for family, the connection, the significance the purpose, the love of family. Psalm 128 is is letting us see God's plan for the family, the blessing that comes to us from God through the family. I mean, we, we see clearly the blessing 
of family in this psalm. The, the psalm, and, and, and really we need to read this psalm in connection with the one we, we read last week. Stephen Estock was here to preach for us, and he, he read for us and preached uh, powerfully from Psalm 127, where we saw in, in Psalm 127 that sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward from Him. It was the, the reminder that, that, that unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Now, this psalm is connected to that psalm because while Psalm 127 ends with the blessing of the man who has a family, Psalm 128 begins that way. It's the same kind of connection that we see at the very beginning of the the Psalter, where Psalms 1 and 2 are meant to be read in tandem. The connection of of blessing linking the two psalms together. It's it's really as if these two psalms are, are kind of both sides of the same coin. In Psalm 127, we're we're reminded that that our work is in vain unless the Lord is in it. And then 128 is the the positive aspect, that that because the Lord is in it, our work will not be in vain. It's the the promise, the blessing of family. And and blessing is, it's this rich and and beautiful happiness, enjoyment. It's, It's the way John Calvin describes it. He says, Think of the, the, the most happy moment in your life. Think of the, the happiest moment that, that advertisers could offer to you, that, that, that entertainment could give you. And then fill that with the, the richness of a spiritual, fatherly, loving relationship with God. We, we need to take the, the happiness that the world offers us and, and remember that we have a much deeper, much more powerful, much more meaningful connection with God. We have the blessing of God. And the blessing is a blessing of family. Look at verse 3. Now, the images might not be immediately obvious to us because they're, they're the images of the harvest. They're agrarian images. The, the psalmist says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Now, this image, yes, captures something of the, 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 the fruitfulness of childbearing, the blessing that comes to a, to a husband and wife through the, the joys of, of children, but, but it's actually it's more than that. Because the vine, the olive, those are the blessings that, are, that were given by God. Those are connected with the promised land. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, the people of God, having been freed from slavery, are in the wilderness, and God gives them the promise, a promise that they will have a land to live in, a land where they will be able to grow the, the vines, a land where they will be able to, to harvest olives. And so these, these images are connected with God's covenant promise. But, but actually, once we stop and, and think about what the, the images mean, we see that it's more than just the, the wife being fruitful in the sense of having lots of sons. Because the, the wife being compared to a fruitful vine, I mean, she's not the, the wheat of the field. She's not the, 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 the corn that you would harvest. She is the fruit of the vine. The vine, the grape, the, the wine is the image in the Bible of, of the enjoyment of life, of refreshment. I mean, this is a life that is well-lived, a life that is filled with joy and hope and happiness. She's not merely pregnant, bringing the, the sons to bear. She's, she's the one who, who you can spend those long evenings with. She's the one who fulfills your heart. She's the one who brings you joy. That's the image of the vine, a life that is filled with hope and joy. And even the image of of sons, of of children, being like olive shoots, should be an encouragement to us. Now, I actually had to do a little bit of research because I haven't cultivated olives ever before. But but olives, it's actually a great image for children. 
Because when you plant an olive tree, it takes a really long time before it's worth anything. It takes a really long time for an olive tree to come to maturity, to actually produce the, the fruit that will, that will benefit you. Well, that's what parenting can be like. Lots of investment, lots of years, lots of struggle, lots of toil without seeing any results. But there's hope that those results are coming. And the other good news about, about olive trees, they're really hard to kill. Even if you chop it down, even if you chop it down, the, from the roots of that now what looks like a dead tree can spring six new plants. I mean, that's why if you visit parts of the, the Mediterranean world, you can see olive trees that are hundreds or thousands of years old because they are hard to kill. They are resilient. And, well, that's true with children as well. We can make mistakes in parenting. But because of the loving connection that, that parents have with children, we see the resilience. And so, so there's, there's hope and encouragement in these images that life is is filled with joy because of the blessing of God that comes through families. But I think we, we hesitate at, at such a picture. We, in some ways, it feels too old-fashioned for us. Perhaps it feels even a little bit sexist, that the wife is just there to, to, to be a fruitful vine to bring her husband happiness. But but the biblical view of, of family, the biblical view of marriage is, is not defending a Ward and June Cleaver kind of world where, where she's dressed up in pearls with dinner ready when he walks in the door. Although that actually is a really great television show and has lots of really exciting parenting advice. But the, the biblical view is, is not just defending that kind of, of image. The biblical view is, is, is even deeper. The biblical view is a, is a beautiful picture of the pleasure and the joy of family, of the hope and the significance and the meaningful relationships that, that family brings to us. And I think another reason we might hesitate when we read a psalm like this, or another reason it might feel kind of old-fashioned to us, is it feels like too small of a view when we look at the, the problems of the world. We look at political unrest, racial tension, child slavery, terrorism, and we think, what does a psalm like this have to say about the world's big problems? But see, the joy, the value of family is a consistent theme through the Bible, even in the midst of times of unrest and war and slavery, because the, the joys of family are one of the ways that God works in the world to bring hope and redemption. See, it's actually not a small picture. It's, it's really a, a big picture. And that's why there's a danger for us culturally. There's a danger for us when we, when we attempt to reinvent definitions of the family, when we attempt to, to reinvent what, it, what marriage means, because the family is central to God's plan. Yes, this is, it, it seems in some sense, doesn't it, out of place in these Psalms of Ascent, that Psalms 127 and 128 so instead of talking about the great themes of going up to worship God in the festivals, the, the great themes of redemption, that we stop and we talk about the family. But this is God's plan. And the family is not incidental to the, the story of Scripture. It's not incidental to the plan of God in, in bringing salvation to us. And so we need to, to, be, 
to be honest enough to ask the question, what is a family? We need to see that God's Word actually speaks to this issue. It's not left up to us to to, to make it up, to figure out what works for our own culture. We need to submit ourselves to God's authority because we can see the goodness of God in the joy and the hope and the blessing of family. And we see in this psalm the blessing of family, but but I want us to to look deeper and, and also see that blessing comes through the family. So you're blessed by, by, by being in a family relationship, but the, then the family is meant to be a blessing. It's a blessing to the one, verse, uh, verse 1 tells us, the one who, who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Verse 4 repeats that, that, that this is how God blesses you. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord, blessed by family. But then the benediction of verses 5 and 6, where the, the psalmist turns from, from describing the situation and, and, and actually pronounces this priestly benediction on the the pilgrims, on the people of God. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. May you live to see your children's children. I mean, it's a blessing that that speaks not just of the the individual blessing of the family, but the blessing that is meant to extend to the people of God, a blessing that is meant to extend to the prosperity of, of Jerusalem, of God's covenant city. And this is the destination for the pilgrims, the city of Jerusalem. It's where God's temple is located. It is where God dwells among his people. This is the place of forgiveness where sacrifices are brought. And so the, the, the family, so, so this is the connection I want you to see. The psalm is about the blessing of the family, but that blessing, that priestly blessing that is extended then to the people of God, to the city of God, comes through the family. How, do, how will God change the city? Through the blessings of the family. How will God bring about the, the peace of is, upon Israel, his covenant people, bring about peace for the church? It's through the family. The family is a blessing to us, but the family then is meant to be a, a blessing to the, the broader world, to the covenant people of God, to the community in which we live. I mean, think with me of the, the way that, that Peter describes the, the way blessing flows through the family. We, we see in our psalm that, that in verse 6, the, the prayer is that, that you might live to see your children's children. You might live to see your, your grandchildren, to see the blessing of God fall upon them. Well, in the New Testament book of Acts, Peter is with the people of Israel in the city of Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost. One of the festivals that, that the people would have, would have used Psalm 127 on their journey to Jerusalem. This is one of those three great feasts of the year. And Peter, on this first Pentecost, after the ascension of Jesus into heaven, he, he preaches about the forgiveness that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And Peter, at, at the end of his sermon, in Acts chapter 2, this is the beginning of, of the Acts of the Apostles, the ministry of God's Holy Spirit after Jesus' ascension, After he preaches, we're told this in Acts 2.37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And this is Peter's response. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. I mean, do you see how God's blessing works? God's blessing comes through families. The man who is in a family is blessed by God with the joy and the excitement of, of that family relationship. But the man who is in that, that blessed relationship then, then is a blessing to his children and his grandchildren after him and to the generations which will come. That's how God's blessing, his covenant promises flow. And so this gospel promise that, that Peter offers to the, the people of God is the promise that, that you and I are welcomed into the family of God through the death of Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And this demands a response from us. Peter tells us that, that we must repent, we must be baptized, we must commit ourselves to following Jesus Christ as the Lord, the one who has died for us, who's been raised from the dead. We must declare him to be the Lord and Christ. And it's a promise then that we look to extend to our children, to our children's children, to the generations which will come. The promise is that God has done this for us. Jesus is our king. He is our rescuer, but he's also our older brother. He's the one who leads the sons of God into glory because of the grace that has been poured out on us. See, the prosperity of the, the city, the prosperity of, of Jerusalem comes through the families blessed by God. The extension of the covenant, the covenant promises that God made with the people, comes through families. And so if you want to make a big impact in our city, there are places that we want you to serve, opportunities we give you to serve. We want you to serve with Urban Promise. We want you to, to partner with the Door of Hope Pregnancy Center. We want you to, to help the Sunday Breakfast Mission, the homeless ministry in our city. But the biggest impact you can make on this city is through your family. So consider the needs of children. We've been challenged to do that today. Consider how you can care for children in our community. Welcoming a child into your home as a foster parent, as an adoptive parent, as a, as a respite caregiver. Consider the time you invest in your own family. Are you investing to bring about the, the covenant promise of God? in the lives of your kids. Consider the priority you place on your family worship, the priority you place on bringing your family to corporate worship. Consider your, your other responsibilities of life, your job responsibilities. Are you committing to this central plan of God that, that you can be blessed by God through family and that you can be a blessing to others? When pastor and counselor Paul Tripp speaks at churches and at conferences, he offers this challenge. He says, some of you are so busy in your careers that you're barely ever at home. And when you are, you're so physically exhausted that you have nothing to offer your family. You have nothing to offer your children. You don't even know them, these little people that live in your home. And so he says, I offer this radical challenge to you. Go to your boss and ask for a demotion. Ask for less responsibility, less hours, so that you can be home. His words angered one father at a conference, although Tripp didn't know it for a couple of years. When this father approached him, he said, two years ago, I heard you give this challenge, and I was furious with you. How dare you tell me how to live my life? How dare you act as if you know what's happening in my home? But then he realized the words were true. 
He didn't know the kids who lived in his home. He spent all his time slaving for an employer who, who, while it was a valuable career, a meaningful job, it wasn't the central priority of his life. And so he went to his boss and he said, I'd like to talk about my position. And his boss wanted to brush it aside. We've, you know, there's, we'll do that at, the, at your next, you know, kind of annual review. We, you know, there's no way for a raise. There's no way for advancement at this point. He said, no, 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 no. I'm asking, I'm asking for a demotion. I need to be able to clock out. I need to be able to go home. And his boss said, well, I, you know, I admire your reasons. I admire your strategy, but I can't pay you what we're paying you now. If, if you're doing less, if you're taking a, a lesser job, then we're going to have to reduce what your income. And he said, okay. So they sold their luxury cars. They didn't take the big vacation. He said, but, but, but in those two years, because now he got to spend time with his kids, he never once heard them complain about the car they drove. He never once heard them complain about the, the, the clothes they wore. But he did repeatedly and regularly hear them thank him for being there with him. He says, when he came to confront Pastor Tripp, he said, for the first time, I know what my children are doing. I know what they're thinking. I know who they are. I know what I need to be doing in their lives. For the first time, I'm actually being a father. So what do you need to change in your life to prioritize your family, to prioritize your spouse, to prioritize your children and grandchildren? Because God promises us the blessing of family, and then the family becomes a blessing to the city. And so, and so what is the psalm asking of us in response? It's there in the, the lead verse, verse 1. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. I mean, this psalm and that, that demand that we fear the Lord is repeated in verse 4. And so this is a psalm of blessing, but it's a psalm of fear. Now, yes, that biblical image of fear should, should be bigger than just sort of being a, scared of the dark. It's the awe, the reverence, the respect for God. But, it, but it's actually right that our translations use the word fear. Because there should be some sense of terror, of fear, of hesitation when we come into relationship with God because God is the all-powerful, all-holy judge of the universe. And we don't deserve as sinners to stand in His presence. And so we are commanded to fear the Lord. We're commanded in verse 1 to walk in His ways, to live lives of obedience. We're commanded to submit ourselves to God's authority. Now, it's important that we clarify what this psalm is not saying. I mean, the psalm is, is not saying that if you fear the Lord, then there is the guarantee of blessing of a family, of that spouse that will bring you unending joy and satisfaction. No, this, I mean, remember with me the context of this psalm. It's a wisdom psalm. It, so it, it provides for us a general principle, not an absolute guarantee. And the song is a prayer. It's, it's not saying that if you do this, then, then automatically you will be blessed in this way. Because blessing comes to us, the blessing of God comes to us by grace. Remember that these are the blessings of the promised land. 
God saved his people from slavery. God is taking them into the promised land. It's the, we are called to fear the Lord. We are called to fear Yahweh. Remember, that's his covenant name. That's the promise he made with his people, that he would be their God, that he would be with them, that he would provide for them. It's the blessing that comes to the city of Jerusalem, the the covenant city, the city of the temple, the place of sacrifice. And so this whole psalm is set in the context of God's grace and God's blessing. It's also important that we that we don't walk away from this psalm saying, yeah, but I I don't feel like I have those things. I don't feel like I have the the fruitful vine of a a spouse or the the olive shoots of of children around my table. And so I must not be blessed by God. I must be doing something wrong. No, no, that's not what the, the song is saying. This is a song that was sung by the pilgrim people of God, single and married pilgrims going up to the city, those widowed and divorced, those from families where they, where they knew personally the joy of this experience and those that, that lived in families broken by war and sin. You and I know the longing of a family where we experience the joy of God. And you see, church of God, the church is meant to be this family. Yes, blessing comes to our individual family units, but blessing comes to the church through those families. The church becomes the family of God, the place where you experience the joy, the hope of relationships. So we might have big plans for how we could change the world, but the biblical priority is on your immediate commitment now to your family. We are blessed by God, and our families become a blessing of God to others. Chuck Colson was famous for his powerful conversion story. He was in demand as a Christian author, a a speaker, a ministry leader. But his daughter tells us of a more important ministry that he had. Chuck's grandson, Max, has severe autism. And one Christmas when Max was six, he went to visit his grandfather. But Chuck Colson, this figure of of evangelical Christianity, This public figure, he was sick, too weak to do much but lay on the couch and and really just watch Max play. Chuck, in life and ministry, was usually filled with with relentless energy. His his children described family vacations where he would, in all seriousness, announce to them, all right, let's take five minutes and relax. And they they would have to explain to him this driven type A personality. They don't have to explain to him why that was funny. But then his response would be, if we took six minutes, we'd be wasting time. So here's this driven man who was always busy with a new book, with another speaking engagement, a radio broadcast. But his grandson, Max, changed it. That next spring, when Max came to visit, Chuck Colson blocked out his entire week no scheduled, no scheduled appointments, no, no writing, no editing, no preparing lessons or lectures, no recording of radio broadcasts, nothing but the pool and the zoo and ice cream. Here you have this, this giant of a Christian being a, a sea monster in the pool. His daughter says, this isn't the way others get to see my dad. Nobody sees the side of him. This is reserved for Max. 
And she describes the gifts that her dad has passed on, the legacy of faith that he's passed on to his children and grandchildren. But he says, I, she says, I think Max gave him a bigger gift. She let him see something more important than his worldwide ministry. Others get to see my dad as this famous figure, but, but Max, Max sees something beautiful, something beautiful that was unlocked by a, a grandson with autism. Chuck reflected on these moments. He says to my grandson, I'm not a big-time Christian or so-called Christian celebrity. And surprising though it has been, I've grown to love becoming an ordinary grandfather. See, family is a blessing. Grace flows through families. Families change the world. And so may you be blessed by the Lord and live to see your children's children. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we, we rejoice that you have been gracious enough to, to work through families, to work through our own family stories, to work through our church family. But more than that, Father in heaven, we, we are thankful that you have been gracious enough to work through the, the covenant family by sending Jesus to be our Savior, our Rescuer. And so, Lord, I pray that now that as we receive grace through this table, that we would experience the blessing of, of your covenant to us, that so we'd be reminded of the love that, that flows through Jesus Christ. And so, Father in heaven, we come now praying in the name of Jesus. Amen.